the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Tonight we're going to talk about some things that are really fundamentally just the gospel. And the hardest thing for a Christian in America, particularly a Christian that has come to church all their lives, is to embrace the magnitude, the wonder, the truth of what the gospel really is. Because we hear it so often we let it pass through one ear and out the other. Most of us have it memorized, kind of like John 3.16. I never forget, I had John 3.16 memorized for years, and, and uh, one day the Lord sat me down and really walked me through John 3.16, and that verse has never been flippant for me since. It's not something I can just rattle off. I remember when he took the one verse that I was proud and touting, and when whenever we had a a Sunday school competition of memorized verses. And that verse, Jesus wept. And I used to throw that out. But when God sat me down and showed me his tears, it was no longer possible for me to be flippant with it. We're still in Second Timothy. And as you know, First and Second Timothy are instructive letters. Actually, First Timothy was more instructive. 2 Timothy was a letter that Paul wrote to his spiritual son, Timothy, to encourage him. It's a letter of encouragement. Why would he need one? Well, because Timothy was attempting to minister to what was now essentially a carnal church. It had been a church that Paul had discipled for three years and false teacher had come in. And, you know, you think they came in and they might be spreading the word of Baal, and they might be spreading the word of Astaroth, or they might be spreading uh, the word of some kind of strange sect. But no, what they were doing was insidious, and it was a, a slow thing that pulled these people away from truth. It started with, a, with, a, with a, just a hint of legalism, a hint of Judaic law. Mosaic law. And what that accomplished is it made the gospel man-centered. Because now it's about what you do for God. Now it's about how man relates to God rather than how 
God relates to man. And it's a slow, insidious idea that begins to break apart that oneness, that union in terms of how you live with the truth. And you begin to see what you do as essential to your relationship with God. You live under a lot of stress, don't you? Today we're going to be looking at chapter 2, verses 7 through 13. And I want to remind you briefly what we have covered. We've spent a lot of time talking about the historical context of this letter and the intent of Paul's words in in his letters to Timothy. But it's in my heart today to, to give you some of the relevance of this text for you. And Timothy was, as I said, in a tough place and was apparently disheartened and discouraged. This condition is not unusual for a minister. And it's progressive. It's a progressive attitude of the soul that begins when we lose focus and when our expectations become our purpose rather than living in communion with the one who is our purpose. Disappointment begins to creep in. And Paul is seeking to encourage Timothy. We might say, encourage Timothy to endure and to carry on in the ministry of the gospel in spite of all the hostility and rejection of the people and the threat of persecution. So Paul writes to Timothy in chapter 2, verse 1 of Second Timothy. He writes, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, He's reminding Timothy where his life resides and that the grace is in Christ and that in Christ is where Timothy is strong. Then in verse 2, he tells Timothy to entrust all that he has been given in truth to others. And as we said last week, we recognize that truth has to come from the inside out, and it is shared truth, it is given truth, that makes truth real experientially. And he encourages him to share with men, that he not be alone, that he doesn't stand alone. Then in verse 3, Paul invites Timothy to experience the grace and the power through suffering that, that he has experienced. Because the thing we know about Paul is that he came to know Jesus through his sufferings. He says that very clearly. Then Paul gives Timothy three metaphors, we discussed them last week, of the Christian experience. One is the soldier who has given his life over to a greater purpose. The athlete who has devoted his life to the discipline of the sport and the pursuit of the goal. And then finally the farmer whose life is one of constant enduring who seeks to overcome every obstacle for the cultivation of his crop. Then we ended in verse 7, and that's where I want to begin today. And we will, as I said, work to verse 13. Now, if you have your Bible, stand with me as I read our text. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 7 through 13. Think over the things I am saying. Paul writes to him, think over the things I am saying. In other words, he's referencing everything he said and everything that he's going to say. Grasp their application, for the Lord will grant you insight and understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ. 
The ever-living Lord who has risen from the dead as the prophesied king descended from David, king of Israel, according to my gospel, the good news that I preach. For that gospel, for that gospel, I am suffering even to the point of wearing chains like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained or imprisoned. For this reason, I am ready to patiently endure all things for the sake of those who are the elect, God's chosen one, so that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus, and with it the reward of eternal glory. This is a faithful and trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, true to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, I wanted to begin with uh, verse 7 because I think that the Spirit of God put his finger on the truth of, uh, of the condition of the discouraged or even the apathetic Christian. They do not allow the Spirit of God to order their thoughts with truth. They allow themselves to be distracted from truth by their insecurities and circumstances. And the Spirit would renew their minds, even the whole of their souls, if we would quietly meditate on the truth that he gives us. Now this letter, these words, did not originate with Paul. We understand that the scripture is the inspired word of God. So they are being dictated by the spirit of God. They are truth and light for the soul of Timothy. And our father knows we are but sheep and unable to know his word apart from him. It's just black ink on white paper apart from the spirit of God. So he instructs Timothy to listen, listen, to be still. To recognize the voice of his shepherd and receive his nurture. Now think over the things I am saying, he says in verse 7. Grasp their application for the Lord will grant you insight and understanding in everything. You have the mind of Christ. You have the life of my spirit in union with you. It is not diminished by your fear or your distractions. It is the power of your life. It is the spirit of Christ. It is the way. It is the truth. It is the life. None of these have escaped you, Timothy. And that is the point that we have not just ideas, not just education, not just what we have read, not just the meditation that we had, not what we have learned from others. We literally have the person of Christ in our spirit. So we're never separated from the logos, the word of God. It's only when we get distracted and believe that only what we can capture with our minds is our reality. Then our strength escapes us. You see, there's nothing supernatural about that. There's nothing supernatural that will hold you up in your education. There's nothing supernatural that will hold you up in your experience. But what holds us up, what keeps us together, what makes the next step possible and the next step possible, the path that we're on 
is the God who empowers us and has literally purposed us to reach a destination that he has foreordained. Most of us could say, but for, you name it, I would be dead today. But for, you name it, I would have a totally different life. If I had gone left instead of right, if I hadn't stopped when it was green, even though it was green, if I hadn't included this person in my life, if I hadn't listened to this doctor, if I hadn't taken this particular food, if I hadn't walked down this particular path, this would have changed my life dramatically. This would have ended my life. This would have crippled my life. But child of God, how can we believe a God that says, I have your plan." I have ordered your plan, Ephesians 2.10. I have ordered your plan even before the foundations of the earth, before the eternity of eternities. And I have caused all things to work together for good. How can you believe a God like that that leaves you to fate? Is that what you believe? Do you play shoulda, woulda, coulda in unbelief? Ephesians 1.18 and 19, I've read it many times. It's Paul's prayer for, for the Ephesians. And he says, and I... Pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the glorious rich inheritance in the saints, God's people, And so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power in us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of his mighty strength. It is only through the working of his mighty strength. It is only possible through God. The man without God has no conception of these things. He does not understand the life that holds you up. He doesn't understand the fate of God that is literally casting your steps. He doesn't recognize the preservation of His grace, His mercy. He does not know these things. But you do. And you are not bound by unbelief. And you are not bound by the disappointment of circumstance and and the things that come against you that would cast your eye away from Him. You're not bound by these things. You're not bound by the frailty of the body. You're not bound by the will of man. You're not bound by governments. You're not bound by chains. You're not imprisoned by this world. You are literally held by the will of God. And your feet are firmly affixed to His path. And only the child of God can know the security, the peace, the sense of his love and purpose in knowing him. Paul would say to Timothy, Timothy, reckon on the truth of the spirit of power which you have received. And he will return hope and faith to your soul. Receive the counsel of the Lord. Let his wisdom and reason return to your soul and be the fullness of your thoughts. Again, many might read verse 7 and believe it is only applying to those verses that went before it. But it is in fact replying to the entirety of Paul's letter. Particularly in light of verses 8 and 9. Verse 8 says, remember Jesus Christ. What a thing to say to Timothy. This devout 
This devout disciple of Paul, who's been with him through all of these years of ministry, who's literally watched the, the Spirit of God, the miracle and the working of God, all around him as Paul went forth from place to place, as people were healed, people were saved, people were delivered, as people were called out from amongst all manner of captivity. What a thing to say to this man. It's the Spirit of God, not Paul. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember him. The ever-living Lord who has risen from the dead as the prophesied king, descended from David, king of Israel, according to my gospel, the good news that I preach. And for that gospel, I am suffering even to the point of wearing chains like a criminal. The word of God is not chained or imprisoned. This is a concise declaration of the doctrine of salvation. Its magnitude, its incomparable glory stand undiminished in the lackluster thoughts of men. They come through the revelation of the spirit of God. It is the power of God to save and bring forth life from death. Timothy, remember. Timothy, let the veil of flesh be parted and the glory of your new life step forward as the day, the day you were resurrected with Christ. Let the temple of your soul be returned to its former glory. Return to your first love. Do not lose heart. Remember Jesus. This is the message of Easter. He is risen. Have you forgotten? Have the passion and fervor of your soul gone quiet? Timothy, think over. Consider this. Remember Jesus. Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead. It is the truth of your gospel, Timothy. Jesus is alive. He is your life. It is the life that you are called to share. He is alive, Revelation 1.18. He was raised from the dead, Matthew 28.18. This is the gospel that I preach. This is the gospel that you preach, Timothy. The gospel of the Son of God is the revelation of incarnate deity. A sinless life lived out before men, Hebrews 4.15. The sacrificial death as the Lamb of God, Matthew 27.32-50. His glorious resurrection that broke the chains of death and sin and bore to us a new life, a life new and righteous before God. Matthew 28 verses 1 through 6. Timothy, this is our gospel. The glory of heaven took on himself every sin, every rejection, every self-inflicted wound. And let it take his body in death. And he descended into darkness and desolation. The darkness and desolation that would have been ours. And he set the captives free. Isaiah 53, 9. He broke the gates of hell and rose clothed in purity. Enveloped in the brilliance of the glory of God. And he led us out. Remember Jesus, Timothy. For this gospel, I suffer, Timothy. Verse 9, for that gospel I am suffering even to the point of wearing chains like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained or imprisoned. This body may wear chains, but the life I bear cannot be chained. 
The word of God is not chained. That word there is logos. It is the word of God. It is Christ himself. He cannot be imprisoned. There is nothing that can contain him. Do not believe that the word is ever ineffectual because we do not preach an understanding. We preach a life. We preach the person of life. Paul says, I am suffering in the body, but my gospel goes forward in the person and power of Christ. Romans 5.10 For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. It is much more certain, having been reconciled, that we will be saved from the consequences of sin by his life. That is, we will be saved because Christ lives today. When are you being saved? Today. Child of God, you are being saved. When you allow the mind, will, and emotion to embrace the truth of the resurrected life that stands at the center of your being, that is in union with who you have been created to be, who literally has redeemed you to be his own, when you stand in the truth of that, you are saved. When you deny the flesh its pretended sovereignty, When you deny the weakness of man that says, I must have, I must grasp, I must own, I must be independent, I must be strong, I must stand on my own two feet, I must walk in my own thinking and in my own resolve. When you let go of that and you embrace the truth of a God who says, I will be your God and you will be my people, I will be your shepherd and you will be my sheep, I will lead you to the green pastures. I will make you lie down when you're tired. I will have a path for you that will extend far beyond the frailty of your flesh. Far beyond the years upon this planet. It will be a grace. It will be eternal. And it will be life. That's your God. Remember, Timothy, the power of God is seen in His salvation. The power of God is seen in his resurrection. The power of God is seen in your life. He called us to holiness. And you know, the only way he could call us into holiness, into consecration, was to create us a new being. Something that could be consecrated to him. Something that could be holy to him. You were recreated holy in Christ. If he can save us from death and sin, if he can birth us into holiness, then what is there in this life that could snatch us out of his purpose for us? Child of God, you've been created in holiness by the power of the eternal will of God. Verse 10. For this reason, Paul writes... I am ready to patiently endure all things for the sake of those who are the elect, the chosen, God's chosen ones, so that they too may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it the reward of eternal glory. Timothy, do you see how I endure? Paul would say to him, Timothy, if I could stand before you, I would let you touch the scars that I bear. 
so that you could see the revelation of Christ in everyone. So that you could see the salvation of Christ in everyone. So you could see a life that overcame the beatings, that overcame the stoning, that overcame the shipwreck, the starvation, that overcame the chains, the desolation, that overcame the rejection. So you could see the life that is stronger than my body. I have endured all things in the patient, miraculous manner that I have, that through each one, the elect of God could see the salvation of the Lord. They could see that there was more to Paul than his determination and self-will. They could see that there was more to Paul than the strength of his body. They could see that there was more to Paul than the need for the acceptance of man. They could see that there was more to Paul than a religious conviction. There was a supernatural life in him that held him up in a, in a way that any other body would have caved into death. Any other mind would have given itself to despair and darkness. Any other resolve would have melted long ago. They could see the power of Christ within him that would not be deterred, that would not be diminished, that would not be set back. This was the witness of Christ in Paul. He endures it patiently. I have known the power of God to save. Through this they have seen a great light, the salvation power of God, saved, holy, purposed. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. I was at a, this uh, program Pastor is the Todd. radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, and Texas. As it inevitably if does, you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And I think we would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, man's need you can for life makes Jesus relevant. To His Life Ministries. P.O. Box the need for the people of God to return Texas, to their first love and to live in the truth makes Jesus relevant. Music doesn't make us relevant. Sermon style and length doesn't make us relevant. Your clothing, facial hair, piercing, body art doesn't make you relevant. The life of Christ makes the church relevant. Don't think for a second that this wasn't presented to Timothy. By those around him. Paul didn't write to him about his need to tell more stories. Or the need for more current worship music. He didn't suggest shorter sermons. Or conversational style speaking. Paul didn't write. Timothy if you spoke on more current events. You would be more effective. Well I guess Paul just wasn't up on the finer points of ministry. No, ministry is Jesus. I have nothing in my flesh to offer you, but the same issues you carry in your own. But like Paul, my flesh is not my life. It might at times be a distraction 
from the truth of my life, but it is not my life. It's just about Jesus. No, ministry is Jesus. The Spirit of God tells Timothy, of all things, remember your study with Paul. Remember the discipleship that you went through with Paul. Remember all of the prayer times you had with Paul and and his clarity and eloquence before the Lord. Remember that, Timothy. No. No. Remember Jesus, Timothy. But Paul, I'm facing hostility and unbelief from people who know Jesus. I'm, 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 I'm facing persecution and, and rejection. I'm facing the possibility of even death for associating with you, Paul. What, give me something that will move them. Give me something that will change their disposition towards me. Give me that will encourage my heart. I will tell you, Timothy, remember Jesus. Well, where is the hope in remembering Jesus? This Jesus who walked out of the grave. This Jesus who descended into hell and conquered death and sin and captivity. This Jesus whose life was greater than the frail body that he wore. This Jesus is who gave you life. This Jesus is who called you. This Jesus is your gospel. Timothy, remember Jesus. He is your gospel. He is risen. He is alive. He conquered death and sin. This is the true need of man. The lost need life. The carnal need to remember what or who life is. Verses 11 through 13. This is a faithful and trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. True to his word and righteous, his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself. This is believed to be an ancient hymn that Paul is quoting. We died with him, so we also live with him. That's in present tense. You're living with him. Think about this. When you're battling inadequacy, the accuser's lies, self-doubt and fear. His life is not dormant or ineffective. This is the power of God upholding you, exerting his life through you, saving you. What do you believe about the work of God in you? Wake up, child of God, and remember Jesus. If you are a child of God, you endure in the plan and the power of God. And he that purposed for you 
before the beginning of time cannot be thwarted even by you. If you want to live in the revelation of Christ, if you want to know the power of God experientially, then know you are enduring in Him and you will reign with Him. But if you go through life denying Him, then He cannot claim you as His own. And He will deny you. I must choose to know Him, bringing only my weak faith to exchange my nothing for his everything. The Christian life lives this life by faith. This is the life of faith that looks beyond the diminishing, chained, imprisoned flesh and declares that the word in me will not be imprisoned. The ministry of Christ will not be weakened by the body. I am an overcomer, a marvel to the host of heaven, a servant of the Most High, who is purposed in eternity to reign with my Savior. And so are you, if you're a child of God. Yet I know I have so often been faithless and walked in self-imposed unbelief and defeat. I have believed myself to be imprisoned in a weak and increasingly feeble body, chained to its appetites and enslaved to the world's definition of life, living in fear and doubt with a distracted and lethargic soul. But in the midst of death, his life breaks through and sets the captives free. And then I remember Jesus. And he's always faithful. He is always faithful. Faithful to be life to me. And he resurrects my faith. So once again, that which is highest and best, the righteousness of Christ, the character of Christ, floods the temple of my soul. Down come Rehoboam's brass shields of carnal Christianity, and up go the golden shields of Solomon that reflect the glory and presence of my God in my soul. If you're a child of God, remember Jesus. Remember you possess his life. He will never deny you. Do you remember Jesus? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the Spirit of God that translates that truth to the feeble understanding of man and gives us every opportunity to embrace all that you are and to walk in the strength and power and life that you have given us by virtue of your death and your resurrected life. In Jesus' name, amen. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.